The Missing Witches podcast is entirely listener funded. If you love the project and you want to support us and our community building, please consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com slash missing witches. You aren't being a proper woman, therefore you must be a witch. You must be a witch. Hello and welcome to the Missing Witches Coven. Today is so super special because for the second time, but hopefully for the first time as an annual thing going forward, today is our Missing Witches listener poetry reading. So today you're going to be hearing poetry that's been submitted and read by our listener Coven. I'm so excited. I can't wait for you all to stick the kettle on first of all stick kettle on strap in for the emotional roller coaster that is coming and to help me introduce the the reading today i am joined by a wonderful guest callie little who is the co-host of the pocket coven podcast and also for our needs today teaches a class called the Witch's Poem, Witchcraft as Muse and Mentor. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you for having me. It has been so long since I've seen your little Zoom face. And, (laughs) uh, you know, we had you on our podcast last year and it was so special. And Amber and I were both like, oh, Risa and Amy. (laughs) Uh, I have been doing so many things as per usual, very, very multi-passionate over here. But I did start teaching a poetry class through Hugo House, which is a Seattle-based writing community and resource. And I'm teaching this with my dear friend, uh, award-winning poet, Jennifer Borges Foster. And we have been kind of shepherding our students through a metaphysical process of poetry writing. So because this happened over the spring equinox, we planned the class to be based around the story of Persephone's ascent and created our own poems about our personal underworlds, whether those are, you know, deep, dark, and scary or really comfortable, homey, safe cocoons. And then emerging into the world, you know, is that bright and beautiful or is it really blindingly bright and scary and overwhelming. And we crafted these poems with our students to be not only beautiful pieces of writing that really work, you know, as a piece of prose, but also as a manifestation spell. So it's been really fun and really special. There have been tears. I'm sure there have been probably many tears and a lot of laughter and aha Mm -hmm. moments and Mm -hmm. unwanted realizations that are needed. But (laughs) yeah, (laughs) the writer's life, you know. Yeah, exactly. Can you talk about a little bit about the the title of your class, like the witch's poem? How do you think of the witch's poem as a thing, and how? can witchcraft be a muse and a mentor? Obviously, this is a class that goes on and on, but if there was like a bumper sticker version of... <laughs> right. I mean, luckily, it it's 
that one's a six week <laughs> course. So it is at least contained, but the witch's poem spellcraft as muse and mentor was a brilliant title that my co-teacher Jen came up with. And Jen is not a self-proclaimed witch. Jen is a poet. And as we went through the class, they were like, maybe I am a witch. And I was like, yeah, I know you're a witch. I know that. <laughs> but you know, this based happens on around here all the time. Oh yeah. It's, mm. You know, if you identify with it, I, my personal definition of witch, by the way, is somebody who is aware of change that they want to enact in their life and who simultaneously just wants to be called a witch. <laughs> That's it. Yes. You, you have to have both. But other than that, yeah, this, we talk yeah. about this all the time. Like, um, activists are by our definition, witches. it's like anyone who thinks that they have any kind of power to change the world mm -hmm. in our view is in our view and by our labels and under our tent. for sure a witch a witch Absolutely. yeah nobody has to ascribe to it if they don't want to um there's power in words and sometimes words can feel disempowering to some and that's totally okay you know which was not a word that was developed out of love for wisdom um but anyway the class the concept was to use basically the framework of spellcraft as a framework for writing a poem. And really, like, I don't know that there's a different way to craft a poem. You know, the point of poetry is to meditate on an idea. So what is that if not spell work? You know, you're thinking about something you're kind of alchemizing it into a new form of language to concretize it. And then hopefully it creates a stirring, you know, whether that's in the universe or in another person. But I suppose the way that our class shifted a little bit is we tried to identify, you know, a really tangible outcome in our lives and how we might achieve that through using, you know, not to be a little too capital and new age uh, about it, but to use affirmation as part of that process. Um, I personally have a belief in uh, this thing that I call sacrificing your shame. And Ooh. I- <laughs> Listeners, I hope you have your pencil ready with your cup of tea. Say it again, <laughs> say it again. I believe in sacrificing your shame. And what I mean by that is, I guess it's two things really. The, the first is identify the source of shame in you. And instead of shying away from it or trying to push it away, really embrace it. And then this is the more witchy part, I think. Um, imagine it as a sacrificial lamb, truly and actually visualize slitting its throat. <laughs> There's no other way for me to describe it, but I feel like that, that visual as a, as a lifestyle vegan, by the way, um, <laughs> I feel like that visual is so powerful because I very much believe in Carl Jung's active imagination work. I use that a lot in my own spellcraft. And when we can invoke 
that sense of shame purposefully and say like, this is the thing that causes me suffering. We can free it, you know? And I think poetry is sort of like, what's the word that I'm looking for? Maybe I'll just keep talking and it'll come out. Mm -hmm. But uh, as opposed to like a journal entry or a diary entry or an essay, there's like a freedom of emotion in it. You can write a poem about all of your worst qualities and and it seems a little bit it it goes down a little bit differently than if you were to just list your their bad qualities. Mm-hmm. There's something about poetry that's like an open invitation to whatever emotion that you're feeling. Yeah. And, you know, there's no true definition of like a good poem, which is one of the reasons it pretty often intimidates me to write because as a career journalist <laughs> and writer, I can write something that I know is a good essay. It's grammatically correct. It makes a solid argument. It's laid out well. A poem cannot be like conceptually good. It just is itself. And then it's completely up to the reader whether or not it's good. But when we are writing it, you know, we really have to be honest to the point of discomfort in order to create something that people connect with. And we can, you know, hide that in unique ways of expression, but if there is not a deep level of disclosure in a poem, readers can't fall in love with it. They can't see themselves reflected because that's in my opinion, what makes poetry so beautiful and special. I I love this. Like, there's no objective definition or, you know, set of qualities required Mm -hmm. to make a good poem and therefore Mm -hmm. a bad poem. So listeners, you can be absolutely free of even the notion of trying to write a good poem because we don't know what that looks like until the process is done. And even then, like with all arts, you know, some of my favorite artists are some of my friends' least favorite artists. And we have to give that to ourselves too. You know, absolutely. I also really encourage folks to just write because I <laughs> do you allow cursing on this podcast, Amy? <laughs> yeah. Fuck okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's always our answer to that. <laughs> I had uh, a friend describe this piece of writing as clearing the shit nozzle. <laughs> and the idea is that, you know, your creative font goes dormant sometimes, you know, we go through periods of hibernation in that way. And just like a hose in your yard that you left out and it has been filled with, you know, earthworms and dirt and gravel and mud and garbage, you got to just let the hose run for a little while before clean, beautiful water starts coming through. And, uh, I've written so many horrible things. I, oh my God, (laughs) last week I had a box of mementos arrive to me and I'm estranged from my family of origin. So I had long made peace with the idea. I would never see photos or anything from my childhood again. And one of the things I received was a poem that I must've written when I was 
13, maybe 12. And it was just like, (laughs) this is barely paraphrasing. Why haven't you called? You said you'd call at nine and it's nine 15. I need to hear your voice. Why haven't you called? And it was just that over and over again, really awful. And I was like, damn, we all start somewhere. (laughs) I'm going to officially disagree. I love that poem. Just like, why haven't you called over and over again? It's probably some of the most relatable poetry, (laughs) especially coming from an 11, 12 year old. (laughs) You're right. I was a poet laureate. Um, (laughs) But, you know, we just we have to express ourselves and don't worry about being good. Worry about being honest. Don't worry about being good. Worry about being honest. Mm -hmm. And with that, I'm going to read a short poem that I wrote after having heard all of the poems that you listeners submitted. So this is a poem that I wrote about you writing your poems. (laughs) And it is perhaps uncreatively titled Love Poem. These little bits of you, words collaged from letters torn from magazines and memories, from mumbled moments and shouting seconds, speed of light visions almost sucked forever into a black hole of the forgotten. You reach out from the safety of your skin, you grab and pull the star back to you. You swallowed it, and when it had bathed in your stomach, made friends with your bacteria, crawled through your breath up past your heart, got stuck for a while in your throat, then between your cheek and gum, and slept for a while on your tongue. It leapt softly from your mouth into the air. A lit, a lee. It was a poem. Callie, let's hear some listener poetry. I'm so excited to hear it. Zoe Flowers, in praise of the witch. Earth, we are the elements. Stay close to the ground, omnipresent, six feet under. Our mother's blood courses through our veins, out our wombs, down legs, feeding soil, hungry. We are dirty with your sadness, different from anyone you know, omnipotent. We lick wounds and swallow sorrows, name ourselves goddess, are not afraid of the dark, call on God, angels, and ancestors when shit gets tight. We are round, full-figured, full of ourselves. Water. We bathe in basil and sea salt. We're shackled but jump ship anyway. Sharks fed on our flesh. We are ocean now. You eat us unknowingly, thinking you can drink us in, believing you can suck us dry and quiet our storms. But we are Oya. We are Ma'at, settling accounts, shifting. You can't box us in, pin us down, or tell our story. Fire. We eat men whole when given the chance, burn sage, incense, candles, tools of the trade, dance under moons full. We are loud, alive, stretch things out to fit our shape. You itch to see us put in our place. We are witch, wise woman, and crone, burned at the stake. Air. But we are immortal. 
Reincarnated in the poems of our daughters, we are phoenix. Eyes in the back of our head, we are Sankofa bird. Live betwixt worlds. Float through walls that you build around us. Blowing cigar smoke in your face, we are juke joint. Speak out of both sides of our mouth. See your future in eggshells. It's not looking good for you. Familiars at our side, we tag Miami, Haiti, and Nolens with chalk circles. Drink with Legba at the crossroads. Walk on water, masquerading as poet, artist, and mama. We eat too many carbs, fall in love with men who are afraid to love us back and turn our crooked noses up at your traditions. Jazz, poetry, Sade are our religions. We are black cat crossing your path, that poem you wish you were smart enough to write, the rhyme you're too afraid to spit, fucking up the mood, we are the ejaculation that comes too quickly, gas on a crowded elevator, the uninvited party guests flirting with your boyfriend and eating all your food, an inconvenient truth, we are those shoes you can't afford to buy, that thing you hate but can't let go, those pants that are too tight around your waist now, the song that keeps playing in your head, that chick you know you're not good enough to bang, the one your mom warned you about we are trouble urban sprawl haunting your daydreams we are muse inspiring you to get your game up teaching by example we are root worker obia lady and conjure woman the scary broad living at the end of the road alone glamoring you through forked tongues we work miracles and yes motherfucker we do ride on brooms you should be afraid of women like us chastity belted we fuck anyway do what we want to do walk but naked in the daytime and come to you at night carrying blessings and justice in our left hand machete and curses in our right thank you my name's kenneth i go by a marble fawn on instagram this is a poem i wrote about words but i guess it's also about home and where we belong Why aren't there words everywhere? Why don't our thoughts, our quotes that cradle us, our favorite novels of fact and fiction show up in yards and sidewalks, the sides of buildings, on napkins, waste bins, in paint, on floors? Yes, there are some, but I want more. Where are the words? I can see letters written on a seashell half buried in the sand. It'll be cursive, and it will say, I was a home once. Remember this. On the street I live in bright gold would be letters. Maybe these words on my street will say, This is your street, unlike any other, because you are here. Or, you've traveled long and hard. Welcome home. Where are the words? We need signs that don't just say where to go or how to travel and the rules to do it by, or even just the names of streets or stores. What if we had other signs, small and large, hidden and so very visible? I want more and more. Where are the words? Words to make us stop and think, smile and feel gratitude. Signs like, this is a great place to cry. Here is where so many have laughed. This is the best view of the beach. This is where I was loved. And even simply, this tree is my friend. Where are the words? Names are important, but I still ache for more. I want a world where we are all writers and our words fall around us, like raindrops. I want messages and bottles to explode open their letters, for all to see shimmering in the air, mingling with our thoughts before the breeze takes them away. 
where are the words? Words are stories and spells. To share them and hear them is a real gift. I can see this world, where we exchange our thoughts and feelings openly because we write them among the world. We would be held safely by all the language around us. This, to me, would be closer to feeling free. Where are the words? Where are the words? Where are the words? Hello, Missing Witches Coven. My name is Eveline, and this is my poem, House of Secrets. I wander through a house of secrets, constantly balancing on a tightrope of decisions. Should I tell her this? How do I best explain that? What do I just keep to myself? What will she understand and what will set her off into an obsessive cycle? What is mine to decide, to hold? I constantly fuck it up. There are no guidebooks here. She is my mother, and yet I am hers, this now forever child, who will grow old but not grow independent, who cannot be released out onto the world but needs sheltering from it. I wander through a house of secrets, trying to keep the door of our hearts open. Hi, my name is Alison Shaw, and today I'm reading for you a pantoum, which is a form poem that has repeating lines that become quite incantatory. Um, I really love this form. It's very witchy and spell-like to me. Uh, This uh, poem is called Moon Pantoum. I declare this my symbol, one-eyed, wild, and illustrious in her shadowy nectar and storm. One-eyed, wild, waxing gibbous in her shadowy nectar and storm. She wears a clouded fringe, waxing gibbous, shifting names, wolf to hunter to worm. She wears a clouded fringe, gold-rimmed. Shifting names, wolf to hunter to worm, I declare this my symbol, gold-rimmed and illustrious. Hello, folks. My name is Jasmine. My pronouns are she, her. I'm an educator, researcher, and neurodivergent witch and community member. Um, This is my poem, uh, and it doesn't have a title, so perhaps your yourselves or your listeners can come up with a title for it. I'm, I'm not good at titles. Uh, it seems too final, and I feel like poetry is always living, breathing, moving, changing. So this is my little witchy poem for you. Witch is a verb, an action, a practice, a spell, an intention, a way of life. Which is a verb, polarizing, yet non-binary at its core. The which is God, etc., in all of its forms. A child of chaos, perfectly happy to swim against the current. Which is a verb, and it is a fine way to live a life. Thank you, keep doing what you're doing, and blessed fucking be. Hello, I can't believe that I'm sending this to you. 
I love you so much, both of you and everyone in the coven, oh my goodness. Um, my name is Liana Lupashku. I'm sitting on Noongar country in the southwest of the Australian continent. And I just, my heart is bursting to share this poem with you. I am an animal, an animal that you cloaked in human skins. You told me that I am separate from the trees, the trees I have known as home, as branches that my hands have learned to flip through, to feel as paper, paper that I have learned to read your language on. But now I want to go back to the trees to relearn their language, to relearn their history in my animal lineage. I am not separate. Give me back to the trees. Put my back against tree, and my hands against home. I want to return to my animal, back to my wisdom, back to my roots. Hi, this is Kate Ballou, and this is Go Now, No One Is Looking. I left the gate open and walked past the waving tree. There was no wind, just folklore from the family. We stood at that tree to wave goodbye. This is how it always starts, with a death, a holiday. The calendar peeled back again like potatoes. I created a world from it, or rather, a world created me. I never knew to sew, but stitched it carefully. I knew death had been there by the way the moon stared. When we leave our childhoods, we don't say goodbye. They live on, in the woods, behind where we grew up, like wolves. When people ask me if I'm a witch, I tell them that another name for moonflower is trumpet. I am turning over a major arcana card of myself, to, so who's to say that myth isn't created as we go? call this a midwestern myth my muses are fields of corn crows being forgotten the past turns farther and wider behind like the elbow of the river when i clear the field beyond that gate there is just stars a doe and my memory whatever is past now i tell myself was either willing or a tithe and that holds it all I kneel at the basin of moon, the same one that I caught staring, and I swear I can see myself, decades younger, holding a frog between my hands, whispering, go now, no one is looking. This is Molly McKinney. Birthed, fetal, and bloody, I wake up and I'm different, but my skin is the same. When I look in the mirror, I feel the glowing, exhausted, renewed, new hands exploring new material of myself, new brain pathways, new thoughts that set my chakras alight. My feet are roots, my pelvis is rooted. This being I am coming into existence Form becoming, coalescing, atoms gathering and greeting one another in a new kind of solidarity and function. I am all I was and all I am going to be.
My name is Sarah Ellen Fowler, and this is an untitled poem dedicated to Agnes Martin. The horizon measures itself in stillness, the fennels coming through in the dark. Linseed oil carries on the draft from the unscreened window, west-facing little message of trust. My canvases feign shudder in the temperature like a horse's rippling will. I believe in the horizon only, oh, let me behold in it. A mixed pulse, a wash of, I take the pills, a silent dress circle of what care I need to keep painting here. The coffee's ready. And my lonelinesses fess no milk but patience, for the white-throated swift will call across the sagebrush. I am listening with my skin for her. Were it my steady line gathering definition in the morning purple-gray, and gratitude its own prism, we could sit the hour and watch your light break the face of the high desert. Hello, my name is Nikki Hudson, and uh, this is my poem. Wolf that runs inside me. Teeth like kisses, body feral, pungent with the scent of forests and full of hunger. At the edge of the city, we howled, calling to our sisters. I am here still howling for those whose voices vanished, my own moon whole enough now to illuminate us all. Know this, the pack is patient. When you find your wild cry, we will answer you with music in our mouths and wind in our hair. You will run with us and we will write the story together of the women who howled the pain away, grew pelts of musky magic, and pulled power from the moon. Thank you. I came into this world bloody and bruised, choking on my creatrix flesh. Being gripped by the hands of man, I couldn't cry out, and it burned into me. Body betrayed, I was too delicious, then not enough, and I wouldn't cry out. Spirit ignited before the foreign voice took complete control. She stood up and never let go. Inside me they grew, from birth they smelled of love. So I ate them up. Monstrous I became, wild and fat, taking up space with endless loud whispers. This is by Sarah Webster. This is Sun Hesper Jansen from Madison, Wisconsin. I'm a word witch, poet, and novelist working in dark fiction, high fantasy, and magical realism. And I also blog as literary therapy for multiple sclerosis at the Fairy of Disenchantment on WordPress. 
Here's a small spell inspired by a recent episode of Missing Witches. Casting a circle of your own salt. With tears, I release you. With tears, I gather you. The salt of my body shapes the good to come. Hey there, my name is Emerson, and I'm going to be reading a poem that I wrote called When I Listened to Mud. When I listened to mud, I found it had more to say than the people walking around it. It was softer than the dirt, but not snow. There was strength in its buoyancy to hold this body. The mud clung to the back of my pants, a talisman to carry from this hike. Healing isn't about perfection, the mud whispered. Perfection. Minimalistic modernism, designing this church for the post-religious, liberalist, ableist, feminist, skinny, white, enjoys I may destroy you for the art of it all, girl boss on Adderall, colonized filter of oppression that's been corroding my soul, my body, my mind, our souls, our bodies, our minds. I saw people jumping to prevent their hiking shoes from the mud. Was this out of fear or delusion of superiority? For there seemed to be greater capacity to expand within this collision of elements than the people not paying attention. Mud followed me and asked, can you see beyond the binary? Go farther where you hear me too, echoing from the lands that have been drilled without consent, begging to have space to heal from this abuse. Do you, remem do you remember when this land was as sacred as the relationship it has with truth? Healing below tundra and trees where the roots go deep, asking us to join the healing table community. Here come the birds. Here come our neighborhood plants. Time is shifting. Here, make friends with mud and nutrients and excavation, for our healing journeys are made of decomposition. I thanked the mud for sharing this wisdom and reminder that perfectionism comes from oppression. We are nothing more than the dirt that sets us free. Hi, my name is Lisa Robertson, and I'd like to share this poem of mine entitled Growth. Pain, raging thunder through my heart, aching numbness draining me, heavy clouds bearing down, silence but for my screaming womb and soul, so deep I am dying from within, take from me this darkness it rains, I can't bear this torture anymore, break me completely like smashed open urn, so light may enter to banish the dark. Sealing cracks of destruction with golden touch, encasing the light within me. Warming my coldness, livening my strength, my heartbeat in tune with my drum. Pain, I know you, healing you bring, your guise a lesson to grow, a friend, not foe. Brighter I am now, 
strength within me, able to balance serene. Pain, a treasure that buries deep. Heart, the chest holding treasure revealed. Brighter the stars above now. Deeper the roots, like oak holding firm. More magnificent the bloom left here and now. Versions of these poems were originally published in the New Earth Almanac. www.newearthalmanac.com This is Bertie Todd in Nashville, Tennessee. My sorrow is a mermaid. My sorrow is a mermaid. In the swirl, she takes my hand. And together we move into the flow, going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. It is dark with no stars to light the way. It is darker than the night. The inky blackness is all I can see surrounding me. It's claustrophobic. The deeper we go, the more slowly I move. The water feels thick. I am cold to my bones. I am aware of her. She's guiding me. I am passive, numb. I feel her hair across my face at times, which startles me, and memories flash like a film strip in my head, searing through my mind. I squeeze my eyes shut bracing against the pain. Oh, my body convulses, chest heaving. I drop her hand. I'm thrashing around, lost. Which way is up or down? Which way do I really want to go? She reaches for me and finds my hands. I'm confused. I resist. We struggle. Is she holding me here, helping me out? Enough. I'm drowning. I am drowning. Feeling helpless, I stop struggling. I find I move with her instead of against her. And we are floating. I have a sense of timelessness. I feel her hair brushing against my shoulder. And the memories come again. In my mind's eye, I meet the memory with curiosity. I see you. I honor you. I release you. I feel tears rising and pushing against my lids. A deep ache in my chest. When I open my eyes, I see a bubble rising and I look up. I see the sunlight through the surface shooting sparkles into the water. The mermaid is by my side, her hair flowing wildly, surrounding us. We are ascending, slowly, safely, surely. I feel lost for those I miss and connection when I remember them. When we close our heart to pain, 
we also close it to love. Experiencing my grief is healing me by allowing myself to move through the waves of emotions as they rise and dissolve. Grief is opening me to love because grief is love. Her hair is so beautiful, the sparkles so lovely, and the light so welcoming. Hi, my name is Alyssa. I am new to witchery, and this is a poem that I wrote. A flower blooming, a baby's cry, the magic growing, the tide is high. A cauldron brewing, the healer is near, her time for doing is finally here. To reclaim her voice and let out great cheer, we are the witches, we need not fear. So Callie, how is poetry akin to witchcraft? And I mean this both as a producer and a consumer. How is writing poetry witchcraft and how is reading poetry witchcraft? I love the two-part question. Mm. Oh, I love specificity. (sighs) Writing a poem, when we're doing it with that honesty, you know, it is a, it is a form as in it has a way of being. We can call an emotion up to the surface and we can exorcise it, you know, whether that's to give it an anchor and more power or it's to release I think it's all about the intention as any spell is you know we can we can use affirmations to really embolden something in our lives and we can think about the ways that really scientifically affects us you know we create neural pathways all the time so repeating things over and over again especially when we're in a heightened state actually makes our brains work in that direction more effectively right so there's that and then there's you know the body keeps the score by Bessel van der Kolk is trending yet again many 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 years after its first publication And we're all very aware that our bodies hold trauma. And the way that we get that trauma out is we get it out. So my therapist calls it compassionate depossession, uh, where you identify something that isn't yours. And, you know, when they have done it with me before, we've only done it one time. And I identified part of my panic disorder as this little really beautiful golden snail that was living in my chest cavity. (laughs) And it didn't belong to me, but through this process of active imagination work, again, I saw that the reason that I had it was because we were really protecting each other. There was a lot of loneliness there. And by seeing it and calling its, you know, loving family forward to hold it, obviously this is metaphorical and everything, but this is what was happening in my mind at the same time with my therapist. I was able to let go of that. And that doesn't mean that I cured my panic disorder, but it does mean that I made more positive connections in that way. And I was able to release, you know, just a little bit of the hold that I had. And we have to do that over and over again. So poetry is one way of expressing ourselves. And if we have a tool 
why not use it? It doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to rhyme. It doesn't have to ever even be read by another person unless that's part of the magic you want. We can just consider our emotions creatively and let them come into the world in a way that we view as beautiful because it kind of, it honors them. And it is allowing ourselves to be seen by ourselves, which is the most important audience. Yes. Allowing yourself to be seen by yourself. I love that. And I love like you were talking about the sort of new age appropriation of terms like, you know, affirmation and, you know, we hate that. (laughs) But you also talked about like the the scientific fact of affirmation, which is Mm -hmm. like when we repeat things, they create neural pathways in our brains. Yeah. And we human beings, regardless of this disenchanted world that we live in, we are symbolic creatures. We Mm -hmm. live inside of metaphors. Mm-hmm. And I feel like poetry helps us to sort of reconcile, you know, that, that part of us that, that is a metaphor. Absolutely. And I think that that ties in to paganism quite a bit. And it's not that every witch is a pagan, but a whole lot of us are. And I, I think that paganism can be described a lot of ways. Obviously it's earth-based worship, but I think a lot of that is just an enchantment with being alive, being an alive thing um, and not viewing ourselves as separate from the universe, but part of it. And I think that's also where a lot of the magic of being a reader of poetry comes in. So we often get caught up in the lie (laughs) that we are separate. And obviously individuality and identity is so important. And in our Western world, we have really divorced ourselves from the idea of the collective and being in touch with the spirit of the earth, of being alive, of our homes, you know, everything. Yeah. We've become so disenchanted. And I think poetry is one lens that can help us view the world from somebody else's eyes, you know, it is sort of invoking another person to really, truly witness their creative work because creativity is the spirit of the universe, right? Like everything is based in creativity. So when we're engaging with it, it's so sacred that is going to church. Creativity is the essence of the universe. You know, Mm -hmm. Buffy Buffy St. Marie said something similar, like, you know, we, if we are to believe that we were created by a creator, then that means that creativity is an essential part of our being. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hear some creativity from some other listeners, shall we? Yes, please. Hi, this is Courtney. And I am a poet. It is not how I earn my income. But it is how I live and how I view and experience and sense and splash around in all of life. Poetry is tucked inside me and it comes out and I am part of that process, but it is not exclusively of my doing.
I claim poet, for the gift it has given me. Enjoy. This is called Growing Up. How could I know what I will do? She timidly wondered in silence. My experiences are few and the world so vast. Great is the pressure. I do not feel led. The blessing inside you. Time it is not to emerge. Your heart binding it up in protection from voices unaligned with your own. You reveal the first to announce it will not be, but I assure you of its presence and it is worth the wait. This is called Where Am I? This place where I stand, a place of rich content and alas, peace. So few could understand. I outstretch my arms and breathe. These arms I have yet carried so much for so long. The burden increasingly heavy. I am now stronger. I wonder how these arms will now serve. I long to simply let them be at my side at rest. I am both empty and invigorated. I am both lonely yet in love. Perhaps in love with what new possibility there may be. Perhaps in love with a lighter heart. My heart, it is depleted and yet filled with great weight. I do not know yet of tomorrow, for I do not recall the last time I felt today. I'm Angela Maria Spring. A little bit about me. I'm the owner of Duende District, a mobile boutique bookstore for and by people of color where all are welcome. And I'm the poetry editor at the Washington Independent Review of Books. And you can find my most recent poetry and essays and reviews in a public space, the Slowdown podcast, uh, Electric Literature, Catapult, LitHub, and Tor.com. And today I am reading you one of my poems called The Empress. The Empress, December 31st, 2020. Today we break the eggs into clear water. Today I break the egg into me. At the table alongside my mother, my own womb which broke open in the small hours of the cold moon, now sings to Atabe in darkest ruby. Portents culled from love as we seek to reclaim ancestral magic once lost in the forever fog of our needle-spiked family lines. Yokes slip light from our cracked shells, settle heavy at the bottom bowl of each round wine glass. Somewhere, ghosts of our grandmother's grandmother's hands close over ours. La Curandera instructs her family's ways, says this ritual is from Central America, and we pray, stir our own dormant blood clockwise 
even further Caribbean islands winds whisper our names. We place vessels in a dim cabinet, hours to go. When they are ready, it will be a new year. When we are ready, we will swell to morning doves. Hi, I'm Laura Spaulding, a fat, queer, disabled, non-binary witch living in Western Massachusetts. I spend my days writing poetry and prose, going on forage walks, crocheting and doing freestyle embroidery, three-season open water swimming, reading, trying to whittle and fiddle, and advocating for super fat, neurodivergent, and low-income folks like myself. I am a very goofy hermit, a porch dweller, and a constant wonder seeker. Fat magic cannot be pushed down, doesn't drown. Stealth disguised by colors, patterns, layers of art. Expansive canvases we use to distract and destroy. She will surprise you. Sleeves rolled up over fat arms, over muscle and will. You lose because you assume. These bodies, uncovered, can do things you will never see. If you should have the good fortune and trust, pick it up. This belly hangs soft in the sunlight, not for you, even if you are invited to witness, but for ourselves, to soak up spirit in the immense battery of our bodies our glorious fat bodies, existing, meeting, surviving, thriving, together. Brilliant planets, lush foliage, mysteries in every fold, glittering golden abundance, breasts and bellies, floating, naturally facing the sky, body held buoyant beyond your belief. Hi, my name is Lisa. I am speaking to you from under the big fir tree that I wrote about in my poem. I am a settler and immigrant descended white woman working uh, in my own ways to understand my actual culture and where my place is in this world. And a lot of that happens on the land that I live on. and in my art practice and in my own independent spiritual practice which probably looks like witchery to anybody (laughs) that uh, peeks in on me and um, I'm an artist I'm a mother I'm a gardener um, figuring things out and sometimes I write poems too I hope you like it this old fur lightning struck and well-winded, weighted, heavy and hanging with snow, still standing. I step under the lowest branches into a temple, up in the rafters a tangle, damage done, danger dangling. Hold yourself together to keep us safe, I ask the tree, to hold tight her lost limbs. Keep these aloft, because we are here, down below, seeking shelter, collecting dripped pitch into the bowl of a cold stone, leaning long and solemn, soothed and praying against this trunk which has swayed 
stretched, cleaved and crested, since a hundred years before I was born. My fingers cold, I pluck resin from where it escapes these many wounds. So, Callie. Amy. What, <laughs> what advice do you have? And I've encountered so many of these people who are aspiring poets, but are either scared or they're blocked or there's something between them, the pen and the paper or mm. them and the keyboard and the screen. There's just something there. What advice can you give to our listeners who are currently kicking themselves because they wanted to submit a poem, but then they didn't because mm. they were scared. And now they're like, oh, I could have been on this episode, but I'm not. I was blocked. <laughs> How, can you help mm -hmm. us all get out of that mindset? I hope I can help. Yeah. Uh, okay. I hear you. I hear that it is scary to let yourself be seen and to risk somebody saying, mm, that's not good enough. And first, I want to remind you, as I remind my clients all the time, the most likely reaction Sorry, someone your will clients, you're also a therapist, right? Mm. I am an emotional support witch. That's what I call myself. Oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> so I'm a, a coach and a counselor, um, not a therapist. Cause I didn't feel like going into six digits of debt, uh, Worse. but an emotional support, which is like a title that I think fits you beautifully. So you tell your clients all the time. Thank you. I tell my clients all the time that the most likely reaction someone will have to not liking your work is that they will look at it and move on and never think about it again. The rare, rare person who types out, LOL, you're so stupid. I will tell you from experience, it is so easy to be like, oh my God, you have nothing joyful in your life. That is horrible. I'm so sorry. Your life is so sad. And like, not to say they never get under my skin, but it's really rare for people to actually tell you they just like hate you and your stupid words, you know? And I, I mean, I've shared work about my abusive dead mother, right? Like really, really personal work. And I was really afraid when I first published that because I published it with Bus Magazine. And what I actually found and what I hope you will take away from this story is I got and I still get, I mean, hundreds of emails from people saying, I've never heard my story told by somebody else. I never had words for this before. And you said it. And I didn't know that I had all this community out in the world to, to know that I was able to tell a story that maybe somebody didn't feel empowered to tell. So powerful, so beautiful. And I will tell you that is my favorite drug. That high is the best. And you can't get that without that risk. That being said, I will share a very compassionate and spicy opinion, um, which is that I do not believe in creative block. And the reason is, I think it's just, a cute nickname for fear. 
You look very oh, <laughs> jazzed. Yeah. Sorry, about this. listeners. I'm like, my mouth is agape. <laughs> I'm nodding. My eyes are wide. Yes, yes. Uh, I think that the idea of block is saying, well, that wouldn't be good enough. And that wouldn't be good enough. It's not that you don't have ideas, it's that you keep being really mean to yourself. So stop. Like, that's a really easy direction. Just stop being mean to yourself and just write the damn thing. So what if the first page of you writing is, I hate writing. I suck at this. Why am I doing this? This is stupid. My hand hurts. It's like the, the hose. You the gotta shit run nozzle. the hose. Yeah. The shit nozzle. <laughs> the proper terminology. Yeah. That's the scientific term. Yeah. You just got to run it for a bit. You do. And that is something that Julia Cameron points out in the artist's way as well. She doesn't call it a shit nozzle, but she says that, you know, one of the reasons that you do the morning pages is just to be in the habit of writing and to not indulge that very honestly ego-driven part of ourselves that is like, I'm not inspired. The muse has not visited me. Like the muse is you. So if you ignore yourself, of course, the muse is not going to show up. Why would you energetically show up when you keep ignoring yourself? You feel empty? Of course you do. Sit in sacred silence with yourself for a minute. <laughs> I love your face, Amy. <laughs> That's what I'm like. I'm like a terrible liar. And like, <laughs> it's my face just betrays. <laughs> betrays anything that I might want to keep hidden yeah I'm just so excited by this like I've always said like I don't believe in laziness as much as I believe in anxiety and exhaustion yes and to me this is kind of the same thing like you don't believe in writer's block you believe in fear and Mm -hmm. period fear period (laughs) yeah and and you know you can ask yourself whose voice is this saying you can't write anything yes I spoke to um, uh, Judy Grain, who's like a a woman in her 80s at this point, been an activist since the 1960s, still writing, still producing. I asked her about imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And she said something so funny to me. She was like, oh, I get that voice in my head sometimes. And I ask it, how many books have you written? So you can get real shitty with that voice if you want to. <laughs> I recommend it. <laughs> oh yeah, how many fucking poems have you written in her voice? <laughs> yeah, our judgment tends to be a lot less informed than we are. Ooh, so quotable. <laughs> Look at oh, the, I... the bumper sticker edition. <laughs> wow, I I love being quoted by you. I feel so flattered <laughs> the whole time we're talking. <laughs> yeah. but, so let's. I mean, Go ahead. I was just going to say, it's it's true. Yeah, it's true. Let's hear some more truth from some more listeners. Yes. Two of the pieces, I'm submitting multiple pieces, so choose any or none. Uh, Two of the pieces rhyme, and I am not a rhyming poet. Not to poo-poo rhyming poetry, but that's just not my go-to form of expression. Yet the more I read on this journey of becoming a witch and being magical and all of that, you know, um, a lot of spells and incantations rhyme and there's so much about 
you know, linking rhyming with memory and a sing-songy quality and how that has to do with memory and how it sort of gets you in a certain state. So for as much as um, I don't know how much that fits me, it's uh, sort of my go-to right now in some ways. Um, so those are a lot of caveats. I, I try not to explain uh, my poems, um, but I probably will end up doing so. Okay, so this first um, item that I'm offering is actually, um, I call it candle spell. And in one of my other um, women's spirituality groups, someone wrote a poem and they were like, oh, well, you know, you're a real poet. So I don't know if you would think this would count or if it's a poem or it's a prayer. And I was like, you know, don't, first of all, don't look at me as the voice of authority. And two, I think poetry and prayer and spells, they all, you know, they all grow from the same ground or flow in the same river or uh, float in the same air or, you know, burn in the same fire if we're going to be elemental about it or are pulled from, you know, the aether in, in, in the same way. So, um, so this is a candle spell. I've used it, um, whether it's a spell or a prayer, I, I call it candle spell. Okay, and that was my cat who wants to be included in, in all things as he must. Okay, candle spell. Thank you for fire. Thank you for light. Thank you for candles that make life bright. Thank you for heat. Thank you for flame. Thank you for making no candle the same. Thank you for cotton. Thank you for wick. Thank you for making these flaming sticks. Thank you for darkness. Thank you for night. Thank you for candles that brighten our sight. Thank you for candles that darkness dispel. Thank you, divine, for this candle spell. Uh, so yeah, there are some perhaps some logical things that might need to be fixed, but that was when I was first feeling, I don't know, had some witchy stirrings last year and I was gonna try my hand at writing a rhyming spell. Um, so I've used it. You know, it's more like um, something to center than, you know, calling on the elements to transmute. But, um, you know, part of rituals have to do with expressing gratitude. And I really don't know how much, what's the difference between my, the magic that I do and praying. Um, they're very similar. <clears throat> okay, this next one is called She Stirs. Um, as much as it's called anything. She stirs her potions in pots, feeling familiar with her familiar. A magical life she makes under moonlight, savors in sunlight, guarding her cauldron and keeping it warm, adhering to the edict to do no harm. With every action, she casts a spell of enchantment, love, and life lived well. 
Beneath the cone of her witch's hat, the aether crackles with this and that. Not eyes of toad or wool of bat, but the will of a woman who won't lay flat. When men, circumstance, and the world say so, she grabs her broom and tells them no. She sweeps negativity and bids it go. She sees misogyny as her foe. Each time she says, blessed be, she's a witch, she's a woman, she is me. So that little rhyming poem, or what devolved into a rhyming poem because it didn't begin as a rhyming poem, um, touches on something that the next piece, which is a prose poem, um, will elaborate on. And that is for me, um, I still, I revel in and associate uh, the association of the, the classical witch in the cottage with the pointed hat and, and the broom and the black dress and the still room and the herbs, uh, you know, all of that, um, you know, that, that just resonates with me. I, I find it so charming. And it touches back to uh, my childhood, and I think maybe all of our childhoods, when, um, you know, that was the, probably the first um, notion of, of witchiness that, that we were introduced to. And for me, I never found it scary. I was always excited by it and titillated by it and fascinated by it, because obviously, all these years later, it, it spoke to me at some level then, and, um, and I'm reconnecting with that now. Um, so, you know, the notion of the witch's hat and the broom and, and the rhyming sing-songy quality um, harkens to my um, journey. And being a part of this coven has, um, you know, made me open up to a lot more and beyond that. Of course, I'm a grown woman, but um, there's still that, you know, the, the girl, Fleur, um, who was so charmed by that. And I remain charmed by that. And I think when, whenever I devolve into rhyming in this type of uh, writing, you know, in a witchy way, I'm calling on that um, version of myself. <clears throat> okay, so this is uh, my final piece that I'm offering up, uh, tentatively titled, as much as these have a title, A Declaration. Magic exists, I am magic. Witches exist, I am a witch. Ever since I can remember, I believed in magic, in Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy, the Easter Bunny, magical fantasy lands, you name it. Neverland was my home away from home. The silhouette of Big Ben below me and the second star to the right ahead of me signaled that I was about to leave this mundane world behind with its headaches and homework and math problems and mean kids in the schoolyard. I'd be a kid forever roaming and roguing with the lost boys and tink, flying, capering, telling stories and trading thimbles for kisses. But like Wendy, I grew up. I grew up with the memory of Neverland in my heart, plus a stray white rabbit or two. The stars called to me. I clapped for the fairies I still believed in, 
wanted to believe in. In place of Peter's puckish silhouette, I saw the outline of a lover, a man who walked straight out of myth and into my life, though like Celine, I only had him under less than ideal conditions. But still, his magic mingled with mine, and we went to a new country with a bridge only he and I can cross together. We made magic, mischief, and mistakes under moonlight, and much music and madness. And then he was gone, and I could only see him when I looked at the stars. Like Neverland, I was barred from that special place without him. And then the worst happened. I forgot my own magic, my own magic, not dependent on someone's fairy dust or found in a distant land or entered to at someone else's invitation. My own magic that had fueled my first years tended my heart's hearth. Hestia and Vesta were unhonored, forgotten. I'd forgotten or not realized that my own magic had been the beacon for all those magical invitations from others. That my own magic was realer than real. That the voices who told me that magic was not real fantasy, evil, child's play were wrong, even if they were well-meaning. So I started listening to another voice, the one inside me, the voice that triangulated with the universe and its source, the voices in the books that knew the path to that place, that magical place inside of me to the crazy, beautiful, lovely women in my coven, yes, coven, who knew about that place too, because they have their own. And every new moon, the borders are porous. And we play together in the coven between our ears and in our hearts and under the stars and floating in this universe and beyond. And I embrace my witchy side, my wacky side, my weird side with my sisters. Because Neverland always exists and Wonderland too, and many more in my heart, which is a star, the brightest one in the constellation of who I am, brimming with light and power among the comforting cocoon of the darkness shining because I must, because the heart is a star, the heartbeat of the whole enchanted universe. So Callie, thank you so much for joining us for our hopefully first annual Missing Witches listener poetry reading. I hope you'll come back and hang out with us again. And of course, Risa and I would be happy to join you on the pocket coven podcast again anytime listeners i'll put that episode in the show notes for this episode so you can hear our last conversation with callie and and her uh podcast partner and in the meantime how can our listeners maybe take a class that you are going to be teaching in future how can they get in touch how can they reach your poetry 
<laughs> there are, it, yeah, there are so many ways, right? Well, first, thank you for having me on. I've of course wanted to be on for so long. I just love you and Risa and what you do. And also happy first book birthday, by the way, I'm so happy for you and your beautiful book. Thank you. It's like the longest and the shortest year of my life, I think. Yeah. Plus year. the pandemic time is so weird. Uh, literally, uh, if the book hadn't come out in 2021, I would have like no frames of reference for 2021. 2021 just seems like a blur of a fever dream. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Well, the really cool news that I'm excited to share with you and and the Missing Witches listeners is that I have my first publication coming out. Yeah, <laughs> I am writing a tarot deck. I'm writing and illustrating a tarot deck with my dear friend, Moria Seal, who's best known for her best-selling journal series, 52 Lists. Um, and we are publishing our tarot deck and its accompanying guidebook uh, and workbook through Clarkson Potter, which is the Penguin Random House gift section. Um, and it's going to be aimed at really self-care and kind of a more holistic approach to using the tarot for everyday enchantment. So that's exciting. And what's you can the, hear- What's the publication date for that? Do you have one yet? Probably 2024, which feels so far away, considering we started working on this in 2020. Yeah, but <laughs> it's gonna come up like this. You're like, shit. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm, years ago. I'm so excited though. And uh we will be sharing more as we get closer to that. The deck that we're going to be publishing is titled Every Little Thing You Do is Magic. Oh, a police fan in the house. <laughs> You know, I was writing our proposal and I put in it, you know, we truly believe that every little thing you do is magic. And my co-author was like, that's it. That's the title of the project. That's the one. And that was like our editor, Sarah Neville, who's incredible, incredible. So blessed to have her. She was like, I, I love that name. It's been, it's been a, a nice gift. So thanks yeah, to whoever wrote that song. It's a, it's a, fucking great song too and <laughs> I'm like a sonic witch so when I hear like that song will be stuck in my head for the rest of the day which is fine because I right. love it I love that song. yeah I, love the, I don't love the police <laughs> I love the band <laughs> <laughs> let me specify a cab but sting is okay <laughs> yeah no sing solo solo stuff is he's gone too far for me but the police forever <laughs> In the meantime, you can find me on all the socials at Gosh Callie, G-O-S-H-C-A-L-L-I-E, and on my website, CallieLittle.com, where you can also see pretty much everything I've ever written. I have a blog there. I have a link to my Patreon. I also share about my career as a counselor and my career as a tattoo artist now, because, you know, I can't just do one thing. And you're, you're on the West Coast, right? I am. I'm in Seattle, Washington. Yeah. So next time I'm on the West Coast, I'll get a tattoo from you. I can't wait. Oh my God. Come do it now. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm doing spellcraft 
inspired tattoos that are meant to help infuse that magic into your skin and your life. So I'm really excited. Yeah, this has been like my notion of tattoos. I, my shittiest tattoos are some of my favorite tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> But I hope you'll give me something of a higher quality than the ones I got in like basements and motel rooms. (laughs) (laughs) It'll at least be safer. Uh... (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It has been so lovely. Oh, and of course you can find me on my podcast, The Pocket Coven. You can get us wherever you get podcasts. Yes, get tattooed, read poetry and see you next year. Hopefully you'll be hearing your poem listener who didn't submit this year (laughs) on this same episode next year and for those of you who did send your poetry thank you for your bravery thank you for your honesty thank you for your creativity I can't tell you about well I can I will tell you that every time I got one and I would sit down and I would listen to it it was validating it was soul crushing it was joyful it was a real emotional roller coaster. So again, thank you, Callie, for joining us all on this roller coaster today. Thank you to all the missing witches out there. I am so honored to be here and to hear your beautiful words. Read poetry, write poetry, bless the fucking bee. <laughs> Woo! You must be a witch. The Missing Witches podcast is entirely listener funded. If you love the project and you want to support us and our community building, please consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com slash missingwitches.